Thank you, Norma, for that heartfelt reminder of the hope of every believer that Jesus lives within us and that we are his people. You might ask what Leviticus has to do with Resurrection Sunday, right? Um, but as I, was, uh, as I was looking at the next little section here of the book of Leviticus, which we've been studying through together, and then looking at the circumstances surrounding Jesus' death and resurrection, I think there's a very clear connection between what God told the Israelites centuries before and what actually took place in Jesus' day. As we consider the verses that Bob read for us and the ones that we'll look at in a moment, let me ask you two questions. Do you consider yourself, do you ever consider yourself a good person because you follow the rules? Things like praying or going to church or even just trying to be nice to people. And then, on the other hand, deep down, do you sometimes realize you're doing something wrong, but you accuse someone else of the thing that you yourself are doing or, or trying to cover up? Today we're going to start in Leviticus 23. And we'll see that God wanted His people Israel to observe His festivals and to honor His name. Then we come to the Gospels, we'll find that the religious leaders observed those feasts, including the Passover, and they were ready to punish blasphemers who dishonored God's name. They even accused Jesus of being one of those blasphemers. Then we'll conclude by seeing that since Jesus rose from the dead, God accepted Jesus as the final Passover sacrifice in the place of His people. God declared Jesus to be His Son by raising Him from the dead and exalting Him. This is the hope that we remember on Resurrection Sunday and should on every Sunday when Christians gather together. So let's start by looking at what God told the Israelites in Leviticus 23 and 24. That He wanted His people to observe His feast and to honor His name. Of all these feasts, Passover was one of the most important. Bob read that little excerpt from Leviticus 23 for us. What was Passover about? At Passover, the Israelites remembered the fact that God had passed over them when He was pouring out judgment upon the Egyptians. The people were commanded by Moses, and they followed Moses' instructions to sacrifice a lamb, put the blood of the lamb on above and on either side of their door. And at the, the phrasing of the text is, as the angel of the Lord passed over, He would see that blood on the doorpost, the sacrifice of the lamb in their place, temporary though it was, and would pass over them and not bring death into their household. What happened to the Egyptians, in contrast, was that the firstborn of everyone in their households died. Passover was, for the Israelites, a time of looking back and of looking forward. Looking back to the lamb that was sacrificed in their place and its blood put over the door to spare them from the angel of death. And looking forward to the lamb of God, who, as John would say in chapter 1, verse 29, who would take away the sins of the world. Passover was a time of dedication to God and following His requirements exactly. As we saw in the passage, things like sacrificing the lamb, things like not eating any bread with yeast in it, things like on certain days of the feast not doing any work, keeping themselves ceremonially clean. So that's what God had instructed them with regard to Passover. What about this idea of honoring His name? God took blasphemy of His name very seriously. Earlier in the book of Exodus, in one of the Ten Commandments, God has said, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so the Israelites knew very well that that was unacceptable. Why then the hesitation to punish the one who had blasphemed God's name here in this account? Perhaps it was because he was not fully Jewish. His father was an Egyptian. His mother was of 
the Israelites, perhaps because it was the first time that this incident had come up, and so they were not really convinced that this is exactly what God wants us to do. Whatever their reason, they hesitate. They bring the man to Moses and they say, what should we do? What is God's response? The whole congregation was to share in the carrying out of judgment on this man for blaspheming God's name. Then we come to the New Testament. What, was the attitude, what were the attitudes of the Israelites by the time we come to the New Testament, centuries later? Well, we have religious leaders, specifically the Pharisees, but others as well, who observed Passover, and they were ready to punish blasphemers, especially in their minds, Jesus. But their honoring of the Passover was hypocritical because they did the outward things. They made the sacrifices. They observed the not working on particular days, the eating of unleavened bread. And yet deep down in their hearts, what were they ready to do? They were ready to plot against and to murder Jesus. They respected the feasts and rules while plotting to murder Jesus out of jealousy. But think about what it was that took place. First of all, they didn't want to riot during the Passover. That would defile the feast, right? Matthew 26, 3-5. The chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas. They plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise a riot might occur among the people. Secondly, they hired men to lie about and accuse Jesus. Matthew 26, 59. This violated another of God's laws. Don't bear false witness. Don't falsely accuse your neighbor, right? The chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. Then what about the man who had betrayed Jesus to begin with? Judas, one of Jesus' own disciples. They paid him 30 pieces of silver. He is struck with a pang of guilt and returns the money to them. Matthew 27, verses 3 and 4. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. The chief priests took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury because it is the price of blood. So they paid a bribe to a man to betray Jesus so they could murder him but they were too self-righteous to put the money that they had paid as a bribe back into the temple treasury. They willingly took the guilt of Jesus' blood on them. Matthew 27, 25. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. What was Jesus' assessment of these people? In Matthew 23, particularly, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, so the outside may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. 
These were the people who were supposed to be the most devoted to God, but in their pursuit and adding things to what God had actually commanded them, they came to do the things that they had added, an obsession over the minutest detail, tithing the smallest fraction of spices, while heaping abuse and neglect on the widows who lived right next door to them. We can have that same measure of self-righteousness in our hearts today. Of course I'm a good person, but inwardly in my heart I hate my neighbor. Of course I'm a good person, but then lie and cheat and steal. The Pharisees not only tried to follow God's law exactly, despite their hypocrisy that was found in their hearts, but they were ready to punish blasphemy in at least three instances. First of all, they accused Jesus of blasphemy when he claimed to forgive sins. A man who is paralyzed is brought to Jesus. Jesus says to him in Mark 2, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus, aware in his heart that they were reasoning this way among themselves, said, Why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Get up and walk, or to say your sins are forgiven? But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone. So they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. For him to be Jesus to claim to forgive sins was to claim to be God, because only God could forgive sins, and the Pharisees would not accept this. Secondly, they accused Jesus of blasphemy when he healed a man, and claim to be God in John 9 and 10. John 10, 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. He claims to be one with God. Jesus answered them and said, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you make yourself out to be God being a man. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law? I said you are gods in a passage from the Psalms in which God compares human judges to gods because that's how they were viewed by the people. If he called them gods, rulers, to whom the word of God came, do you say of him who the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If these human rulers were regarded as God, how much more the true Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand the Father is in me, and I in the Father. Therefore they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. They accused Jesus of blasphemy a little bit earlier in the book of John for claiming to live forever. John 8, 48, the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also, and you say, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died, are you? The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus said, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. 
but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. The name of God given to Moses in Exodus 3.14. The response, Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They accused Jesus of blasphemy. What was Jesus' assessment of them? They, in fact, were the blasphemers because they took what Jesus had done, God's work, and attributed it, said it was from the devil. John 10, 19-21, A division occurred among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying these are not the sayings of one demon-possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Jesus' response, If I, by Beelzebul, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Therefore I say to you, Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. Professing themselves to be righteous, they were corrupt within. Professing themselves to be the proper ones to punish blasphemy, they themselves were blasphemers. What then was God's assessment of Jesus and the work that he did? God vindicated Jesus. God declared Jesus to be right as the Passover and through the resurrection. Jesus was the true fulfillment of the Passover. Yes, there was a historical event in which a lamb was sacrificed centuries before, and that festival was continued to be remembered and observed by the Israelites all throughout the history. But the whole point of it was not only for them to look back to that historical event, but to look forward to the last and final time in which Jesus would die once for all as the Passover lamb. Jesus was the point of all the feasts. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 5, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven, a little sin, leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Therefore let us celebrate the feast not with old leaven, nor the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Think about those words in light of the Pharisees' actions. Malice, wickedness, plotting to murder someone. That was no way to celebrate the Passover or to uh, see the work that God was doing. But instead, in sincerity and truth, God wanted his followers to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Passover was meant to illustrate. What about today? We remember Jesus today, not by the old feast. We are not Israelites not even by having to do holy days like Easter or Christmas. Nothing wrong with remembering these times during the year, but those are not the things that are most important. The most important thing is to remember Jesus himself, as he told us to do through the Lord's table and through baptism. 1 Corinthians 11, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so what is our opportunity as those who know God to remember Jesus? It's when we observe the Lord's table every month. Some churches do it more often, some less, but it is an opportunity to remember the work of Jesus Christ. In the same way, baptism is a sign of our identification with Christ. Romans 6.1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Both in a spiritual sense and the picture of water baptism are an opportunity to see our death to sin and the death of Christ and our resurrection to life in the life of Christ, in Christ's resurrection. So what was the point of the feast? Jesus was. What about their claim that Jesus blasphemed God? Jesus is God, so he was not blaspheming to claim to be God, to forgive sins, or to identify himself with the temple. His resurrection instead showed that God accepted and exalted him. Jesus is actually God, according to John chapter 1, verses 1-5. through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Not only is Jesus God, but Jesus is the way to God. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Jesus was accepted by God. His resurrection showed his sacrifice was perfect, that God would not abandon him in death, and that he was exalted in glory in God's presence. From Acts chapter 2, Men of Israel, Peter says, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, Just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by wicked hands and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. What response should be given to this appeal that Peter makes? Well, what was the response of the people who were listening? They said, what can we do? Here was Peter's response. Peter says, repent. Turn from your sin. Each of you be baptized. Identify with Christ in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. That includes you and me today, not just those who are listening in that day. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day they were added to the church about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's what the church is supposed to be about. It is for those who have turned from their sin and turned to God, been identified with Jesus, and purpose to follow Him with their lives. So what about you? 
Do you follow empty rituals of prayers or giving to the poor or coming to churches on holy days? Or do you know and remember Jesus as your Savior, the only way to God? Do you see Jesus as a myth or a misguided teacher? Or do you see Him as the Bible proclaims Him, the one who is raised from the dead, who offers that resurrection life to anyone who will follow Him? Like those Israelites at another day of God's feast, the day of Pentecost, I think these truths from God's Word would call us to come to Jesus today. Be saved from this perverse generation. Call on God and He will answer you and give you a share in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In your place. This is the meaning of this and every Resurrection Sunday. This is the testimony of God's Word from way back in Leviticus through the Gospels to the words of the Apostles and it is still true today. God has things He expects of His people, but He wants the entirety of who we are, not just outward compliance. God wants us to honor His name, but in the very moment when we feel ready that we are the ones to punish people for dishonoring God's name, let us take care that we are not the ones who are actually blaspheming God as the religious leaders did in Jesus' day. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things that we see from God's Word. Jesus is the hope of eternal life for all who will turn to Him. And Jesus is not the blasphemer, but is very God Himself and the one to whom we need to look for salvation and hope and life. There are many voices calling out to us today. Believe this, believe that, do this, do that. The one that we need to listen to is Jesus because His is the way of life. His are the words of life. And His is the hope of the resurrection. Let's pray. God, I pray that the truth of your word would impact our hearts. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your law is to be delightful to us as we hear it. Your Spirit uses Your Word to change us, to make us more like Jesus. So Lord, we pray that You would do that work today. We pray that these truths about who You are would spur us on to live for You even this week. We don't yet know You. Bring us to You. If we do know You, help us to live for You as we ought. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.